Welcome once again to all in attendance at our on-site services, as well as those with us in the church online service of Faith Community Fellowship. Today we are continuing our present series of messages entitled Thrive. And what we've been doing over the past several weeks is discussing and discovering the fact that in light of the financial uncertainties for so many, uh, the layoffs, even permanent business closures, bailouts, and all these tough times that we're living in, we can still thrive. Yes, even amidst the challenging and awkward days of chaos, confusion, and societal unrest. You see, the underlying theme of this series is that God wants you and me to do more than survive. He wants us to thrive. But in order to thrive, you first have to survive. <laughs> and so that's what we've been looking at. And we've laid the foundation with no fewer than two messages which highlighted the wonderful assurance of our salvation in Christ. And then we followed up on the introductory teaching uh, with messages entitled Thriving in the Spirit, Letting the Spirit of God Lead Us, and then uh, the last message was uh, entitled Thrive Through Worship. And we looked at different forms of worship, and uh, we, we looked at the focus of worship, and certainly we were drawn into a spirit of worship. And with that in mind, I'd like to pause for just a moment and ask God's blessing on today's message. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Your greatness is so wonderful. We thank you, Lord, that you uh, show that to us in so many ways. And uh, we just ask today that this word, as it goes forward, and these thoughts, as they're expressed, um, will touch hearts and will enliven spirits. And we pray, Lord, that there'll be much to learn about family and about marriage and about interpersonal relations and about home living. God, I just pray that your spirit will guide us and that the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, will be glorified through it all. For we pray in his name. Amen. Indeed, beloved, this is a time in our lives when we need to learn some things. We need to learn how much we need each other. We need to learn how to survive turbulent times because they will come. And we need to collectively learn how our church will survive and thrive even in those rough times. Now, let me walk with you into the fifth message in this series, and one I personally believe to be of utmost importance to Jesus' followers everywhere. And I challenge you and all of us who name the name of Christ to thrive in the home. So let me begin. If you have grown kids and they've moved out of the house a la empty nest and you survived, raise your hand, pat yourself on the back, and shout hallelujah. Someone said parenting is full of frustrations and challenges. But eventually, though, they move out. A conversation was overheard, mother to son. Every time you are naughty, son, I get another gray hair. Son to mother, gee, mom, 
You must have been a holy terror when you were young. Just look at Grandma. Oh, let me tell you. It can't be easy. It isn't easy. And yet, parents listen, it is so fulfilling and extremely worthwhile. You know, sometimes, and you look at the dynamics of the home, sometimes we're guilty of taking our mothers for granted. And sometimes fathers are kind of overlooked when it comes to recognizing their sacrifices for the family and all that they do, maybe behind the scenes even, for that family unit. And oftentimes the children need less stuff and more mom and dad. The truth of the matter is that today it is probably tougher than it's ever been to be a thriving parent, either a mother or a father. Now, on the matter of the home, the family, and God, I want to present you with this charge to not merely survive in your home, but to truly thrive in your home, in your marriage, in your family, and in your unified walk with God. So let's get started on that. By looking at another poignant Old Testament story, often overlooked, a story of perseverance and a story of promise. And so I'm going to read with you and for you from Genesis chapter 21, starting at verse 14. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. And then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up, take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. Now, when I was preparing elements of this message about thriving in the home, for some reason that I don't even fully understand, I was brought back to this account from Genesis chapter 21. So now, here is the backstory to the actual story. God had called on Abraham and Sarah and promised them that they would have a child. When that promise was made, we believe that Abraham was about 86 years old 
at least, and Sarah probably 76, getting uh, maybe closer even to 80. And they were going to have this child, and that through their promised child, they would become the progenitors of a very mighty nation. And as any would-be parents, (laughs) Abraham and Sarah, even at that advanced age, were very excited. But one year, two years, 20 years later, no child. So Abraham decides at the urging of his wife to have a child by her servant, Hagar, an Egyptian woman. And in those days, I might add, this was not considered terribly uncommon for infertile couples. But oh, a big, 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 big problem looms over them. God said that it would be Abraham and Sarah's child who would be the heir of the promises of God himself. Well, in time, Abraham and Sarah did have the promised child. And now Hagar and her child Ishmael are on the outs, so to speak, with Abraham and Sarah. And so Abraham does the unthinkable. He sends Hagar away. And this was a big deal back in those days because it was a very, very hostile environment and a dangerous world for a single woman, I mean, yes, a single woman to travel with a very young child. Now, the verses we shared in Genesis 21, particularly verses 14 to 21, picked up the story where Hagar and her son are floundering in the desert, and finally their water bottle is used up. And Hagar goes away from her son because she knows that they are both about to die and she doesn't want to face that reality. Would you look at this despicable scene? They have absolutely no resources. They have no help of any kind and no hope, period. This is what you call all alone. It's a picture that we see and hear about being reenacted many times over, you know, in our modern society. A single mom in a hostile, unforgiving, and uncaring world. But about the time when it seemed that all hope was lost, no chance of anything good happening, God came on the scene. He opened her eyes because I believe that that was a matter of giving her faith. That was a matter of letting her believe that he really was God. And when she opened her eyes, she saw a well of water. She saw a well of water in the desert. And the Lord said, look, you thought all was lost, but this child is going to become a mighty prince and you will be the mother of millions and millions of powerful people. 
And so she was, and today, of course, we know them as the Arabs. My whole purpose in bringing this story to you is so you would understand that this woman, Hagar, was a single mother. She was at her wit's end. She had no help anywhere in sight. She is completely devoid of hope. But she survived and thrived. And the reason she made it through this awful, awful ordeal is because God saw her need. God met her need, and then he revealed a great plan and purpose for her life. And I want you, my friend, wherever you find yourself in life, to know, K-N-O-W, to know today that if you are a mom or a dad, if you are single or married, if you are trying to weather the storm, you are barely surviving, say nothing of thriving, if you are facing the trials and struggles of finances, social acceptance, and oft-times judgmental world around you, would you please incline your ear to me? There is a God who is watching, and he's willing, and he's working on your behalf. And you can thrive as a mom, you can thrive as a dad, you can thrive as a follower of Jesus, and you can actually thrive right there in your home. I have a picture that came across my desk some time ago, and I want to share it with you. And I want you to just look at it for a moment and kind of focus while I give you kind of the, the possible backdrop to this. The man doesn't know that there's a snake underneath him. And the woman doesn't know that there's a stone literally crushing this man. So the woman thinks in her head, I'm going to fall. And I can't climb because the snake is going to bite me. Why can't the man use a little more strength and just pull me up quickly? All the while, the man is thinking, I am in so much pain, yet I'm still pulling you as much as I can. Why don't you try and climb a little harder? And I imagine those thoughts go back and forth in their minds through this whole episode. The moral of this is, listen carefully, you can't see the pressure the other person is under. And the other person can't see the pain that you're in. This, my friends, is life. Whether it's with work or family or your feelings, or friends. Look, we should try to understand each other before we try to be understood. Learn to think differently, perhaps more clearly for once, and truly communicate better. A little thought and patience, oh, they go a long, long way. So true, so true, so true. You know, we never know what someone else is going through. Let's face it. Let's be honest. 
We don't know behind that smile and laughter is often hidden a mountain of inner pain. You see, everyone's journey is different. You can't walk a mile in someone else's shoes because you're walking your own mile. But remember this, love and understanding and patience go a very long way. My dear friends, this is precisely the kind of thinking and consideration I believe we so desperately need in our world today. We, we get so quick to be angry at each other about things we don't agree upon simply because we do not understand what each other is going through. And so then we miss all the things, hear me carefully, that we do agree upon. I personally firmly believe that the majority of the interpersonal clashes, the clashes, disagreements, and perceived problems in homes, families, and marriages in this period of time can be summed up in four words. Absence of meaningful communication. It's the truth. We don't listen to understand. No, 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 no. We listen to frame our own reply. While that person's talking, I'm thinking how I'm going to respond and talk over that person. That's not communication, friends, and it's very, very sad, and it's so not meaningful. Oh, Pastor, you, you don't know, though, my, my feelings, and almost any day of the week, you know, I could just say, oh, it was such a bad day, oh, such a bad day, is that so? Well, was it a bad day, or was it a bad five minutes that you milked all day? Pastor, I, I think I have a problem. Problem? A problem? A problem, you say. Well, good. Now I want to help you. Follow this instruction. Stand or sit in front of a mirror. Focus. Just focus. Nothing else. Stare, if you have to. And study. In that image, you see two things. Number one, you see the problem. And number two, you see the solution. What you need to do now is get up, exit the pity party, and get back into the game of life to win and to thrive. How can you thrive in the home in this day and hour in which we live? What a great question. Well, your answer is in the following, and I'm going to just kind of break it down for you and especially design this for parents and marriage partners to, to think about. Number one, the unique role of parents. And if you are 
childless in the home. I'm going to say the unique role of spouses as well, one to the other. I want to say this, though, first, without question. Mothers serve a unique role that nobody else can ever fill. There's just no one like mom. (laughs) And what would our world be like without mothers? Mothers, listen, mother is the one who carries us in her body right under her heart for nine glorious months. Couldn't be any closer to anyone than you are to mother. Mothers who love us unconditionally. Mothers who serve us loyally. Mothers who give to us sacrificially. Hey, apart from the precious name of Jesus, I suppose mother is the next sweetest name in all the earth. You know, when grown men are on the battlefield, and many times when they're, when they're injured, and possibly dying even, they breathe that soothing name, Mother. Look, my mother was a great one. My mother taught me a lot of things. A few of these things I've shared with some folks, but a few of them I've held on to till now. So I'm going to tell you a few things my mother taught me. She taught me logic, and I'm going to quote her. She said, if you fall off that swing and break your neck, you can't go to the store with me. Logical. She taught me to think ahead. If you don't pass your tests and graduate from school, you'll never get a good job. Something else my mother taught me was ESP. She would say, put your jacket and hat on. Don't you think I know when you're cold? She also taught me how to meet a challenge. I can still hear that voice. Answer me when I talk to you. Don't talk back to me, young man. She also taught me humor. When that lawnmower cuts off your toes, don't come running to me. She taught me about genetics. You are just like your father. She taught me about anticipation. Just wait until your father gets home. And of course, she taught me about justice. One day, boy, you will have kids. And I hope they turn out just like you. Then you'll see what it's like. Oh, my. A little humor goes a long ways. But Abraham Lincoln said this, and I quote, All I am or can be, I owe to my angel mother. Wow. You see, mothers instinctively understand that you have a powerful and unique role in this life, as do they. Hagar, in this moment of utter desperation and 
helplessness cries out for help. And as she sits there sobbing, it's through this faith that probably she didn't even know she had that affected and preserved her son. Moms, hold on to this story because you have a very huge part to play in the spiritual development of your children. And I want you to hear a fearful statistic, fairly recent, how accurate, I don't know the margin of error, but someone has anticipated or predicted that only about 4% of those who are now in their 20s know hardly anything about the Bible, about Jesus, or about God. So often today it seems that parents just kind of go along to get along. The path of least resistance. (laughs) But parents, you are to be parents. And moms and dads, you have a unique role in that spiritual appetite and interest and growth of your children right there in the home. Second thing that I want to point out is the unique challenges of parents. Many parents may not be living the ideal family life today, but allow me to transition away from the ideal and talk to you from my heart about the real. Because so many single parents are out there. And look, it could be because of wrong choices or divorce, even death. We are not here to judge or condemn. We are here to offer the hand up, the embrace of acceptance, and the promise of fellowship and warmth in the love of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. This ministry that I represent does not exist to turn away any man, woman, boy, or girl who comes to us from any struggling family situation. And here's the thing. We, as the church, the body of Christ on earth, need to do more and more and more things to be helpful to families and family members who've come through the storms of life and landed in our midst. All we have to say to them is, welcome. Welcome. Welcome aboard. Come and enjoy the grace of God with us. I love these great words from from Titus chapter 2, verses 2 to 4. Listen as I read. Paul says, Teach the other older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. And then verse 4 says, Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children. As a church, that really means business for the kingdom of God, and I believe we are that church. 
There is so much we can do to be of help to the helpless. Not to mention, we repeat this over and over, but I'm saying it because I love hearing it. (laughs) Vibrant ministries for nursery and school-age children and wonderful youth ministries in in addition to multitudes of practical and and, and uh, manual types of things, along with opportunities for social and small group and spiritual development. Wow. The church in these times can't just preach. You ought not do this, and you ought not do that, and you have to do this this way, and you must not do that that way. We have to get away from that. And we need that, but when we do, we need to have some very, very solid alternatives for these hurting people to turn to. So mom and dad, bringing it back to the home. Not only do I want you to understand and own your unique role and unique challenges and opportunities, but would you let, let me add one more? And we'd be nothing without this. Unique promises. Because the God who helped Hagar is the same God today. He will provide life-sustaining help in the desert of your struggle, whatever it is. He will help you raise that child or those children. Precious gifts from God. And you ask, well, how will he do that? Well, he's the giver of life. He's the sustainer of life. You are never outside of his watchful care. He loves those children. Even Jesus said himself, Suffer not the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Do you remember young Mary, the story of Mary and Joseph? Let me read for you from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, just one verse, verse 35. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. My dear parent, here it is. You have the power of prayer. You have the power of fasting. You have the power of learning the word. You have the power of worshiping. You have the power of the leading of the Holy Spirit. You have the the power of thriving in that home. You have the power of thriving in that marriage. You have the power of thriving in that family of yours. And these are unique promises of God indeed. I tell you that through the grace of God, you will survive. And even beyond that, you will thrive. A man purchased a statue of Christ at an auction. He took it home and he placed it on his desk in the den where he did his studying and paperwork, etc. A few days later, maybe a week or so, his wife lovingly moved the statue to a table in the living room where she thought it would be more prominently displayed. 
She didn't consult with her husband. She just did that on her own, which seemed to be fine. Sometime later, again, the man could be seen picking up the statue off that table and taking it back into the den where it started. And as he's walking towards the den, his little girl noticed him and she asked this question, quote, Daddy, where are you going to put God now? What a piercing question. May I ask it of you today? What are you going to do with Jesus now? What are you going to do with the truths from Scripture that you've just heard in these moments together? Do you really desire to flourish in life and for your Christian testimony to count? I think you do. Yes, in the young child's innocent words, where are you going to put God now? Precious friend, put him first. I beg of you, thrive in the home.